Hello and welcome to the Glamshuary podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry. I'm your host, Bobby Marston. We're excited about our guest on this episode. His name is Nick Perslow, and he is the managing director of Glampitect North America, whose prime directive is to help entrepreneurs who are interested in opening a glamping business get started. In this episode, we'll talk with Nick about the origins of Glampitect. We'll talk about the services provided and Nick relays some very helpful information for anyone considering opening a glamping business or for some seasoned veterans who are looking to expand and grow their current glamping business. We really hope you enjoy, so without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to the Glamshire Podcast, Nick. Thank you. It's a pleasure to come on, Bobby. Well, we're really looking forward to talking with you because uh, we've been speaking with a number of glamp site owners, uh, hearing about their backstory, their challenges, their triumphs and getting their businesses started and keeping them afloat. And one of the main things that keeps coming up with almost all of them is the amount of research they had to do leading up to opening their business, or they were thinking, I wish I would have done more research before I opened up my business to avoid a lot of the problems that I ended up having to overcome. And so I know Glampitect is a company set up to help prospective Glampside owners get their businesses up and running with the right research. And so thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And I think a lot of our listeners are going to be really appreciative of the information that you can deliver. No problem. It's an honor. And yeah, hopefully I can, uh, I can help out a little bit. Cool. So I know Glampitech has been around in the UK prior to your offices open up in North America. Uh, first question I would have is, you know, what are your thoughts about glamping in the UK versus what you've noticed uh, with glamping in the United States? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the one, the, the, the big difference is that um, the, the, the UK industry is, is a lot more mature than the US in that it's more established, it's more mainstream. Um, and it seems to have been going at a peak for a little bit longer than the US. Um, I think the US is maybe a few years behind, but that, that's a good thing, really, because uh, there's so, so much, um, you know, there's so many legs in it um, and there's so many different directions that it could go in, which is kind of exciting. Um, but saying that, I think uh, a big difference between the US and the UK is that in the US, there's a few big glamping companies, whether it's Autocamp or... Um, I'm forgetting the names now, but there's an under canvas and companies like that who, you know, have got a lot of uh, money behind them, venture backed. Um, and there just isn't really that to my knowledge in the UK. Uh, and so even though the US is a few years behind the UK in terms of maturity and, and the number of sites, you know, relative to the size of the country, um, the, the US is, is a little bit more sophisticated in terms of the, the overarching sort of business behind it. Uh, and I think that's probably speaks to, to the difference between British and American culture anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, I think those, those bigger brands in the U S will be a big driver to the standards that are going to be set, um, across the country. Whereas in the UK, it's been a bit more organic over the years set by sort of smaller operators, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would wholeheartedly agree with you that, you know, glamping in and of itself is a new category in tourism, but even more so in the U S and. To that point, yeah. you know, before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of, of, of the offerings that Glampitect can provide, give us a little bit of a summary of, of what Glampitect is, what the history is behind it, and uh, what you uh, imagine you're going to be able to do for prospective Glampsite owners in the U.S. 
Yeah, no problem. So um, Glambitech North America is kind of a separate company from Glambitech UK. Uh, North America was set up by myself and Callum McLeod. Um, obviously, it's technically separate companies, but, you know, we share a brand and similar sort of principles. Uh, Glampitect as a whole started in 2019 in the UK when my business partner in this venture, Callum, um, he, 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 he set up his own glamping site on the north coast of Scotland in 2018 called um, NC500 Pods. And that was just a small little glamp site that he worked through the, the permitting process or the planning permission process, as it's called over there. Uh, and he realized that, that there wasn't really enough help for people in his position. So uh, he decided to become that help for other people who, who wanted to start a glamping business. And he founded Glampitech UK in 2019, uh, growing pretty rapidly over there. Um, and I think we have around 20 staff members in the UK now or, or coming close to that. Um, and yeah, grew pretty rapidly. Callum moved over to Dubai in towards the end of 2020 and, and launched Glampatech Middle East in 2021, which is kind of similar, but a little bit different. We've actually got into manufacturing over there now. Um, and 2021, we decided that America was the next place to go. And um, yeah, a lot of research went into it, a lot of speaking to operators and, and people in the industry. And we launched in july of 2022 um and so the principle is the same we sort of aim to guide people through the process but as i'm sure you'll ask me in a second uh there's, there's you know there are a few differences in how we do things in the uk and the us yeah you know that leads me to your next question which I, I i appreciate that segue you know obviously united states is very different than the uk in many many respects uh what are some of the bigger differences that you've noticed uh for businesses opening for glamping in the united kingdom versus the united states yeah, I, I think the, the the big one, and this is obviously um, based on on our area of expertise and, and where we particularly help clients on, is the um, the legalities of starting a glamping business and and the sort of um, the, the the approval processes. So in the UK, um, you have to get something called planning permission generally, uh, and that is you know it, it, it's done by on a local council basis in the same way that, that it's done on a county by county or town by town basis over here. Um, but you know, you just apply for planning permission. There are generally some general policy points, but there's no zoning or anything like that. Um, anyone can apply for anything really. Uh, and it's a matter of whether it goes through or not. And, you know, there are things, you know, you have to meet certain flood requirements and, um, you know, if they might have the, the local council might have certain tourism policies and things like that, but generally it's, it's a, a bit easier and, and a lot less expensive. Uh, whereas in the U S obviously you've got the zoning system where, um, there's only a set number of uses that you can um, do on a certain parcel of land in a certain zoning district. Uh, and that restricts a whole load of people who want to start a glamping business. Um, we've, we've done these things called zoning screenings, which I'm sure I can tell you about in a second. But, um, you know, the idea is that we tell you whether you can or can't do what you want to do on your parcel. Uh, and unfortunately, we've had to, to give quite a few negative outlooks on these reports because in a lot of cases, it's just simply not possible in, in that zoning district. Um, so that's a sort of big, big barrier that there are more barriers and, and more sort of bureaucracy in the US than the UK uh, and generally sort of more requirements in terms of, you know, septic and, and, and other things and other drawings that you have to submit and other arguments that you have to make, public hearings, which generally don't happen in the UK. And it's generally a lot harder, which is, is you know, it makes, I suppose, a company like us even more important in that sense. 
um, and it needs means we need more players. So we work more closely with with architectural partners in the US, for example, uh, because there's additional levels of of expertise um, required. So I think yeah, it's generally a lot harder and a lot more expensive in the US, which has its um, well a lot of cons, but I suppose the occasional pro. <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, attention to detail obviously is important for neighbors uh, of, of Glampsite properties uh -huh. and things like that. Um, are there any particular areas in the United States that you've noticed are, are generally easier or are, have you noticed any areas that are generally harder or maybe even off limits? Yeah, well, I, th I think the, 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 the ones that are generally easier are the places without zoning codes. So what I've just said there about what you can and can't do on your land that applies for, I don't know the exact figure, but probably like 90% of the US, but you know, in, in sort of rural Texas and, and other places, there are, there are counties with, with no zoning codes, you know, so in theory, you can do whatever you want on your land. Now, obviously in practice, there are general rules around, you know, do you have to meet sort of fire code and, and, you know, have a certain road width and things like that. And some counties apply those rules. So it's not always just a free for all, but there are places where it is a free for all really, which is good for operators in those areas. Um, compare that to somewhere like California, where there's the state gets heavily involved um, and there's lots of restrictions and lots of procedural requirements uh, and it can get very, very expensive and very, very complex. Um, so they're probably the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, we've also just done one in, in Hawaii as well, where um, the state the state gets heavily involved there, uh, which is pretty unusual because most places across the US, um, you know, the, the county sort of, sorry, the state leaves it to the counties and cities really to sort of set their own rules. So yeah, I, th I think the, the, the places where the, the states get involved can be particularly tricky and the places where the counties have minimal involvement in regulating what can and can't be done are probably the easiest. Okay, that's a good note. And when you when you see these zoning ordinances and kind of rules and regulations in place, have you noticed that there's any flexibility? So, for instance, if someone were to go into a county that's never had a glamping operation before, and, and the county is like, "Well, what is this? I don't understand what's glamping." Have you yeah. noticed that some of these counties are open to suggestion or perhaps changing ordinances? Yeah, it, it completely depends on the county, completely. Um, we've just been speaking, I spoke to a guy yesterday who um, who said he'd already spoken to his county. I can't remember where it was. It was um, maybe near Bear Lake in Idaho, maybe, uh, I think. Um, and yeah, he, he, like the, he'd spoken to the county and they were sort of, um, you know, they said, okay, it may not be strictly within our ordinance, but we'll... Uh, we want this to happen basically and so we can sort of maybe be flexible uh, but that's just that particular county some counties really want to bring tourism in uh, which in which case they might sort of bend over backwards a little bit uh, whereas others will really strictly apply the code and, and just just on your point there where you say you know people just go in and say i want to start a glamping business there are there's no set definition for glamping some people will say it's tents only some people will say it's cabins and everything like that um, and so it's always best to actually do some research initially on the zoning ordinance, see what definitions they, they use. You know, is it a, quite often it will be a case of applying under a campground use or some kind of general special use. Uh, and so you've got to figure out the language of the ordinance so that you're not just going in and they're just going to turn, turn around and say, I have no clue what you're on about. Go and do your research, really. Yeah. And so... Walk me through if uh, someone were to approach Glampitect, you know, what would they, what can they expect to be like their first call experience? And then kind of if they engage with you, what would happen after that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the idea is that we we can sort of take you through the whole process of starting a glamping business by either you know doing what we do in house, but also working with our partners um, to deliver their sort of various stages of expertise. So the first thing that we'd almost always recommend to someone, let, let's say someone has a property, the first thing that we'd recommend to someone every single time is to um, check your zoning, uh, and that's not just saying okay, I'm in the agricultural zone, great, I can do it, or you know whatever. Um, it's it's identifying your zoning district, going into your county zoning ordinance, figuring out what's allowed in that zoning district, digging into the definitions. So, you know, if campgrounds are allowed, how are campgrounds defined in the ordinance? Is that going to be suitable? Is there a sort of general special use that um, applies for, for things that sort of don't match with anything in the ordinance? Is it, you know, you really, really do your research. Uh, and that that's the thing that we can do. So we do something called a zoning screening, which um, it generally is around $500. Um, and that is just, you know, that will do do everything for you. Basically, we'll, we'll tell you how you're zoned, uh, what that means, what you can and can't do on your property based on our understanding of the ordinance. We'll call the county if the client wants us to to clarify any issues or questions um, and just sort of give a really good idea of, OK, is this going to be possible? Uh, as part of that, we'll also um, set out the what permits are going to be required. So will it be a conditional use permit, a special use permit, just some kind of administrative approval or is it a buy right use? Um, and we'll also set out any specific regulations that, that they're going to need to meet or be aware of as they move forward under the project. So uh, that can be like a really good foundational report to allow them to make the decision, is this going to be worth it or not? And then from there, um, if they want to move forward, we've got partners who can do feasibility studies. We've got partnerships with uh, banks or, or sort of brokers who, who can help them get financing. Um, we've got partnerships with manufacturers who, you know, if they want a, a really high quality tent, we can pass them their way. And we've also got architects and, and, and engineers who can sort of do all the drawings and, and everything required to get a, a permit for, for the glamping project and, and get that approval over the line. So um, hopefully we can guide them through the whole process. And then, you know, if it's a bigger project, we've got people who we can pass off to for third party management and things like that. So hopefully it can be the, um, the sort of full suite of solutions. Yeah, it really sounds like a one-stop shop. And you mentioned financing, which is always a huge component of getting any business up and running. Uh, what have you noticed that banks have been looking for uh, when it comes to glamping projects? Because again, just like counties, sometimes they're unfamiliar with even the word glamping. Oftentimes I've seen banks also be like, what is that? Yeah, well, well we're lucky to, to have some great partnerships with, with um, administrators of like SBA and USDA loans, which are the, the government backed loans. Uh, and because, uh, you know, the, these guys specialize in, in these sort of outdoor hospitality projects, then uh, it's generally not an issue with, with those guys. I've never actually dealt with a sort of traditional bank and, and gone in like that because we've got such great partnerships on, on that front. Um, and so they sort of understand it. Uh, but, you know, the, the, you have to sort of quite often you already have to own the land and, and be ready to dig and have all your permits because banks and or US SBA and USDA stuff, they, they, they don't want to sort of gamble on, on you getting a permit or not, because I think they've been stung in the past by putting loads of money into a project only to, to have a permit application rejected and, and they don't want to do that. So if you can own the land and sort of go through that permitting process first, then then great. Um, if not, there are some sometimes some creative solutions, but it's a lot harder. Um, and so, you, you know, what what would be the case is I just sort of introduce you to um, one of our partners and they can get that conversation going because they know a lot more about it than me. And I've learned a lot just from speaking to, to our sort of partners on that front. But yeah, I, th- I think a big thing is is permitting is, is, is a big barrier in general, but it's also seen as a big barrier for the banks because they don't want to loan 
um, you know, put significant money into a loan that might, you know, actually never even come to fruition in terms of the commercial project might not actually happen because they're not legally allowed to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, telling people what they can and can't do on their property. What are some of the things that you've seen or heard people say, hey, I want to do this, and then they heard that they couldn't, and, and maybe that might have sounded surprising, or you would have thought they could have done it, but then they couldn't. Yeah, I mean, well, um, it's sort of pe- – I mean, what one thing that people sometimes assume is that just because they're, they're in, like, the, a commercial district or something like that, that they can do do any kind of commercial venture on, on it, which just isn't often the case. Uh, another thing is, you know, it, it's just it, – glamping has so many definitions. It doesn't fit neatly within, within a certain box. So, you know, sometimes you have to force it under the campground use or – uh, some kind of special use and it's just um you know it, it, even some counties will, will will insist you know you can't apply under the campground use because the the tents have to be brought by the by the guests and you can't have a, a tent standing for for a week at a time or anything like that which is ridiculous because at the end of the day it's still a tent out in the field um but but you know because sort of the counties that are particularly strict and maybe are, are less open to change and, and new sort of developments um they all sort of apply those rules really narrowly whereas others can be you know oh if it's a tent it's a tent it doesn't matter to us that's fine as long as you meet all the other requirements so i I think sort of even when you think you might meet a certain uses requirement sometimes counties can be a little bit um overly stringent i would say yeah the people that are approaching you for starting these kinds of businesses have you noticed any kind of trends like is it people that own farms and have owned farms for a long time that have decided, Hey, you know, I want to open up another type of business on my property. Or have you noticed a lot of people that are looking to maybe do a complete career change? They maybe were a, an accountant and they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm done sitting in an office. I want to be in nature. Yeah. The, the latter is actually more common for us, to be honest. Um, I don't know whether that's a general thing in the industry or if it's just our marketing attracts a certain type of person i don't know uh but generally we, we've spoken to a lot of people actually who don't even have a property suitable for a glamping business they may be working and they want to career change they want to do something completely different uh and they'll download one of our guides we'll pick up the phone um and yeah that that turns out to be the story uh and that's why you know we've actually introduced a new product for people in that position called a multi-county zoning screening where um you know people who people know they want to start a glamping business they don't have a property they don't know where to start it and so they'll just give us a list of you know four or five counties to assess we'll tell them you know how likely you are to get something done in each county so that they can and you know identify the best zoning districts for a project like this uh so that they can tell their realtor or whoever it is okay find me a a property in this county or this county and in this district and that district uh but yeah so a lot a lot of people do just want to create change and, and i think it's really attractive because you know, it's it's a it, if you do it right, you can make a lot of money. Uh, but also, it's a it's a it's a lifestyle change. Um, people want to live out in the countryside a little bit more, and that's the same in the UK. We've spoke, we've you know, we've worked with a lot of clients in the UK who um, just are, are bored of the nine to five and want something different and want to live out in the in the fresh air rather than in sort of polluted cities and things like that. So, uh, yeah, we, 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 we speak to a lot of people like that. We are helping a lot of people like that. Um, but it just obviously adds an extra layer of complication if they don't already have a property. So we sort of have to um, adapt to that as well. Yeah. One thing uh, I've learned in speaking with a couple different banks and, and financial institutions, 
is that they're looking for people that have some sort of a background, either in management, ideally outdoor hospitality management. Um, when you're assisting people in the financing sector, have you noticed that as well? And is there any tips you might offer someone as they're building a, a history to set themselves up for success once they get the financing? Yeah, I mean, um, a couple of our, part, our financing partners are pretty strict on that. One in particular is, you know, I don't know whether it's him or the bank that he, he works with. We'll, we'll simply just, unless it's a very special exception, we'll, we'll not finance anyone who doesn't have previous hospitality management experience. Um, so, you know, if, if this is something that you're looking in, that doing in two or three years, then maybe it's time for, to do a couple of years in some kind of hospitality role where you, where you get management experience. I don't know. It's sort of, um, I know it's hard for people to be patient like that, uh, but that is a big thing. But there's, there's also uh, companies who, who aren't so, so bothered about that. Um, we work with a company called Glamping Hub, who are quite a big name in the industry. They, they've just done like a, they've launched a program called Develop with Glamping Hub, uh, where they sort of finance the unit, the, the structures themselves uh, in, in return for like a revenue share for a set number of years. Uh, and they're, they're less strict on things like that. They they will, um, you know, as long as they think the, the business makes sense, they're not so bothered about things like that. So, you know, th there's a range of options. I'd explore all of them before you sort of commit to doing two years in a role that you're just doing because you want to sort of have a better CV. Um, but yeah, it, generally previous hospitality management experience really does help, especially when you're dealing with um, SBA and USDA lenders. Yeah, that, I think that's really good advice too, because, you know, and, and you mentioned patience. <laughs> when you have a great idea, you experience clamping, you're like, oh man, I want to do that. You know, there's a lot of steps that lead up to it and there's yeah. nothing more frustrating than, than getting that close and then saying, oh, I'm sorry, you actually need two more years of experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 23. I'm extremely impatient as well. So I, I completely understand. Even though I've got my yeah. whole life ahead of me. As people say. <laughs> well, Nick, uh, I really thank you for your time. I think Lapitect is doing some amazing things. Uh, we're excited about the relationship that we can form now and, and leading into the future. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Really appreciate coming on. Hey, we, we, aim, we aim to please. <laughs> thank you thank very you. much. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank Nick again for his time and for providing all of that wonderful information, which can be very useful to any would-be Glampside owner out there who's considering opening their own business or any seasoned veterans who are looking to expand and grow their business. Nick can be reached for more information on his website, which is www.glampatech.com us. That is www.glampitect dot com slash us and if you'd like to subscribe and follow us you can do so on our website which is www.glampshawary.com again that's www.glamptuary.com until next time take care <laughs>